Hey, this is Corey, and this is To the Better End. Welcome to episode number three. Uh, we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, and joining me instead of Dave is my good, good friend, Faith. Hello. Hello, Faith, and welcome to The Better End, for real. To the better end. <laughs> <laughs> that is the name of the podcast. We don't we... want to add an extra comma. <laughs> no, we are. I know. I never know. So I I think my name for the podcast is really clever, and I love it very much, and I like how it looks on the logo and all that stuff, but whenever I have to say it, like, to introduce the podcast, it's the absolute worst, because you want to say, like, welcome to... And then the name of the podcast. But you have to do a really but long you'd pause have to and do, like a head nod. Yeah, because then you'd have to do like two, two. To the better end. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that's, that's, that's like too much every time. Yeah. So I usually end up like, I cut out one of the twos and I hope no one notices. Or I like restructure the whole way I was going to say the sentence to make it work. Yeah, and but so, I can see panic in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully the audience can't see the panic in my eyes. They can just, they can just hear it. In my voice. <laughs> yeah. We make so many references in the day-to-day to, like, ah, like, I'll see you later, or, like, keep your eyes peeled, or all that kind of stuff, and it just absolutely does not apply to, wait, wait, wait. like, mm. audio formats. When was the last time in your day-to-day that you said, keep your eyes peeled? Oh, no. Someone's at the door. Okay. So we're back. Uh, normally, when you're recording in a bedroom, you don't expect, like random knocks at the door but that was my nieces slash housemates curious about whether or not all the schools in the area are closed because this is uh we're coming at you from march 12th 2020 and the world is losing its its entire mind collectively the hive mind that is the world is just gone yes out the window out the window no one cares just buy all the toilet paper you can uh, and and live like it's the very end of the world, I guess. Yeah, but honestly, what a time capsule we have created. Yeah. We have created like this whole cultural, like thing. Yeah, this touchstone that everyone like who's lived through this with us can like look back and say, ah, I survived or lost so many people to the coronavirus. Yeah, it's like Woodstock. You always want to be the one who can tell your grandkids that you went to Woodstock. Yeah, I had the coronavirus <laughs> you know the other day i was at uh, our local bookstore uh for game night and somebody there was like you know i kind of want to get the coronavirus and i was like what and he said yeah because it it sucked to have it but it'd be kind of cool to say i survived the coronavirus oh no i totally and feel I, that. I get that yeah i saw like uh i think our friend shared a TikTok or something of somebody saying like, you know, I'd hate to get the coronavirus, but can you imagine all that attention? <laughs> and I'm like, how many millennials and like Gen Zers are like, yeah. Well, I've yeah. already announced my engagement. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already posted my wedding pictures. Well, I've already posted 50 pictures of my baby. What's next? Yeah, what else can I do on social media to get a lot of attention all at once? See, now what we're going to start seeing is a bunch of YouTubers who are faking having the coronavirus. "Eh, eh, I'm dying. (laughs) And then they're going to have to post an apology video like two weeks later, apologizing to all the friends and family. Sorry, guys, please please hit that like and subscribe button. And and by the way, (laughs) I mean, I was faking. I'm so sorry. uh, This is nothing. 
I give up. I don't like impersonating a YouTuber. I, I, I apologize for real, legitimately, from the bottom of my heart for that. Uh, but, yeah, oh, before, before the knocks at the door, which rhymes, uh, I was going to explain that To the Better End is changing a little bit. You'll probably have seen some announcements for the changes, because I plan to release those before I release this actual episode. But we've kind of had Star Wars exclusive content so far, and I don't want anyone to get the impression that this is a Star Wars only podcast, because it's a story podcast Mm. uh also i'm realizing this is the first time i've had to record face to face and i'm realizing how much i like hand gesture and it's really not necessary for this like purely audio medium Mm. but we don't want to be just star wars or or give that impression and i don't want to alienate a bunch of my uh friends and family who enjoy the show or new people if anyone is new and doesn't actually know me in person uh I want you to be able to enjoy it, and and one of the ways I can invite you into that is by talking about other stories besides Star Wars. So Star Wars will keep coming out once a month, first Friday of the month, hopefully, if we can stick to that schedule. And in between, I'll release episodes about other stories. This one will be about a TV show that's very near and dear to our hearts. Have we already mentioned that we're doing this? Have we already said in the beginning that it's Friends? It's Friends. I think we did say it was Friends, but you know what? I don't think you can say it's Friends too much. And also, everything before the knock on the door is really just lost to me now. So, hmm. I feel like I just have to restate it even, if it, even if it's already been stated. So, to start us off, and to introduce my new co-host a little bit more, my first question is, if you could have written any book that's already in existence, which book would it be and why? Hmm. Probably Harry Potter. I am constantly rereading it, so that's not that's not a a worry. Yeah, so it's like something you would have enjoyed writing. Yeah, I mean I would probably keep most things the same. I wouldn't have killed off the people I love and know. Yeah. I feel like that's always a crazy decision that like authors have to make. But it really like it makes there it makes you feel like there are real things at stake when that happens though. Like there are real consequences to things. Like people can really die. Sure, but when I was a kid I really used to like this book called Ooh, Something versus the Evil Librarians. What uh, Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians. Ah, okay. The prison? And- yeah, but Were they it, in it prison? Was, no, it was a kid's name. It was oh, a kid's there's name. a kid named Alcatraz. His parents had a weird sense of humor, but I mean, there's a character named Pony Boy in The Outsiders, so I guess yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, um, but in that book, it talks a lot about how writers are truly like the most evil people in the world, and oh. librarians are evil too. But the true evil in writers is that they make you love something, and they know they're gonna kill it off. And that's why they do it. It's like a weird, like, pain. Pain-causing. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. I've never really, like, thought about it in that, like, way. I also like to write. And I also have killed off some characters. But I've never... I guess I... Like, yeah. Like, I've created characters and been like, I'm going to intentionally make them lovable <laughs> so that their death will be impactful to the reader. But I don't think I've ever thought about it as, like, like rubbing my <laughs> hands together, petting my, like white cat and like super villainy like but i guess there there definitely could be like an element of that 
Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you ever read Anne of Green Gables, which I know I'm just bringing a lot of books into this one question. But no, that's fine. I love books. In the in the first book, she writes so many like short stories, mm-hmm. and each time it's more tragic than the last, and she just cries and cries over her stories <laughs> that she wrote and killed yeah. the people off. Yeah, and she like knew she was going to kill them off because she's a very predictable writer. Yeah, but I get that. She gets better as time goes on, but I I don't know. I probably would have like left all the Weasleys alone and maybe yeah. not not killed off so many of the lovable characters. I get that. I get that. I think that's a pretty good choice, and you'd be very rich at this point because uh, they are very well selling books and movies. And all that. So that would be another added benefit. I know you'd, you'd do it for the art, but, you know. Yeah, sure, of course. Money's, <laughs> money's never never a problem. Yeah, not in this <laughs> More money, this more world, problems. Right? Yeah, <laughs> more money, more problems. Uh, okay, I like that. So what's your question for me? My question for you, and this comes from a 12-year-old who asked me it as I was driving down a dark road. <laughs> okay. If you were driving down a very narrow dirt road, and you're going like 20 miles an hour, so you can stop, Mm -hmm. and you see a man jump out of the woods holding an axe and start running at your car, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Okay. And so there are trees like on either side of the road. Yeah, you're definitely going to wreck if you swerve. Okay, so if I swerve, I'll wreck. Mm -hmm. If I don't swerve, I'll hit the man. Yeah. And if I stop, then I've stopped and there's a man with an axe running at my car. Yeah, you're going to die. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, like, I'd gun it, but, like, mm. I'm going to continue, like, forward momentum, I think. <laughs> because, like, if I wreck, well, one, like, the outside integrity of my vehicle is going to be, like, damaged. He's and gonna get he's you. gonna get in, yeah. Like, what if like the locks fail or the windows break, and this man with an axe like is gonna like come get me? But if you I'm don't rev do your that. engines, then he might not die when you hit him. You might just like knock I, him over. Do I need to kill him? I'm in a car. I can drive away from him after that. Like, not if you like mess up your vehicle. I mean, have you ever hit a deer? It well, really messes your car up. You could like maybe, mess up your engine and just have knocked him maybe, out and he gets up and starts crawling at you with I the axe. Maybe I just like bump him out of the way with When the have car? you ever just bumped someone out of the way? You can be going five miles an hour and wipe someone out. I don't know. That long, that long pause was me thinking, I don't think you know that's true any more than I know it's not true. I I think I'd know a little bit more about hitting people with my car than you. I <laughs> Do you? How many people have you hit with your car? I've considered hitting more people with my car than you have, probably. Probably. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, probably. I, I'd still have to go with... I don't think I'd go so far as rev the engine. Because I feel like that, that requires like a level of intent that I don't think I could muster. Even, like, in the moment. I would just but grab I the think, steering wheel and scream. Like, you just, like, <laughs> white knuckle, like, grab him. Yeah, and just, like, plow on. Yeah, just, like, hit him. And, like, sad story is, this guy was running out of the woods to be like, Ah, oh, the bridge is out! I've been working with so my axe to fix also. it! Wait, axes are not used in bridge repairs? No, wait. No, yeah, they are. <laughs> no, they're not. You use wood. No, no, this, when was the last time you saw a wooden bridge that was not, like... 
a sideshow like attraction. Well, we are in the boonies. I mean, things happen. This guy was just an axeman who was like, oh no, the bridge is out. And then he went to help. And then he was like, oh, but I see headlights. Gotta go help him out before I go home to my wife and kids. And, and, <laughs> and he now really, he's like, dead. you've come up with like a new trolley paradox, like moral <laughs> question. And you, the more, so at least with the trolley problem, like it's pretty clear cut and the person who gives you the trolley problem doesn't keep adding more and more like complications <laughs> How many levels your, of a story yeah, are there? Yeah, like the trolley, per, the trolley problem, like giver is not like, and then you choose the one person because you want to save the many, but you find out that one person is like the only person who supports like 150 other people. <laughs> and they're all like orphans from Haiti who've had terrible lives and who, as soon as this person dies, will like be deported back to Haiti. And you're like, well, so actually I wreck 151 lives if I kill this one person and only 12 lives if I kill the other people. And so you like grab the bar and you switch the tracks and the person goes, oh, but each of those 12 people like does all these important like blah, 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 and like just makes it harder and harder and back and forth and back and forth until eventually the person with the trolley problem just like lays down in front of the tracks metaphorically. (laughs) Yeah, I think. I think that bit's already been done in The Good Place, but I like the thought. Oh, that's fair. That That's true. Another story, another day. Mm. All right. I think that's but, a good question. Yeah. But yeah, that's my answer. I'm just going to have to stick with it because, I mean, come what may, you I mean, you should out get out of the way. The yeah, you got to knock out the man with the axe. I feel like in any situation, a man's running at you with an axe. Like, there's there there seems to be implied intent there. Sure. People people not doing bad things don't run at you with axe. Like, someone who's trying to tell you the bridge is out will probably just stand calmly and, like, wave their arms in the middle of the road at a distance. Mm-hmm. Not, like, forward motion, like, at you. That's right. just that's just my personal opinion. And, and my advice to anyone who holds an axe on a regular basis and is near roads where people might have to make a choice like this to <laughs> hit them or not hit them. If under any circumstances you need to stop an oncoming car, don't run towards the vehicle. Stand, like, kind of to the side and, like, wave friendly, like, without the axe. Yeah. In fact, you should probably show that you're friendly by painting a big smile on your face just oh. so they know. Oh. And just go like full Joker at this. Yeah, point. you want to make sure you're seen. Because so clowns, maybe, yeah, clowns are clowns only have positive associations. Of course, on the side age. of the road in the woods. Yeah, like nothing, nothing bad's ever happened related to a clown ever in any form whatsoever. Clowns, right. clowns are only help. They're here to help. When Mister Rogers said, "Like look for the helpers in the world," like he meant <laughs> clowns. Yeah, um, of course. Excellent. So now that that's settled and we've spent the first 15 minutes of this episode about friends not talking about friends, uh, I think we can get started on friends. Sure. So you and I both love friends. Yeah. How many times do you think you've rewatched it? Honestly, I've rewatched it a lot of times, but I've rewatched some episodes like three times and other episodes like 15 times oh same almost whole seasons i've rewatched yes. some seasons like maybe five or six times and by rewatched, i'm doing quotation marks in the air here because like sometimes i play it like it's a podcast and i like wash dishes and i like do laundry or i work on like grading homework or whatever and i do all these things and like it's just playing in the background yeah it's your family in the other room talking yeah yeah very much very fahrenheit 451 kind of reference there <laughs> um yeah, definitely. And it just like 
it's comforting almost like the familiarity of it it's like ah these are my like old friends oh yeah like if one of them walked into the room i don't think i'd even be starstruck i'd just be like hey monica how's it going come come sit down join our podcast yeah i would kind of have a similar feeling for most of them if ross came into the room i would not quite feel that way i have very very antagonistic feelings towards ross i'm not a fan of ross and i'll just get that out in the open right now hey can i ask you a question yes if you are driving down a dark road (laughs) and you all of a sudden see ross coming out of the woods (laughs) waving an axe uh how you feel about stopping at that point i think i gun it <laughs> before i took like that moral high ground of like i'm not gonna show intent uh but for ross i might make an exception okay maybe that's strong ross isn't like a murderer i mean unless he's running at me with an axe then probably he is <laughs> but yeah i just want to i just want to throw that out there at the beginning anyone who loves the whole ross and rachel storyline uh you can send me hate mail to like I don't care at gmail.com and uh yeah yeah sure like add me there yeah 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 I feel very I feel very strongly about this and it's gonna come up in how we think the last like season and even like the whole show kind of should have been rewritten I think because you're kind of with me on this I don't know that you hate Ross as much as me but no no I don't avidly hate Ross I just think that he's I don't know. I think he's the worst friend. Yeah, I think he's not a good friend. I think that he's kind of a man-child in a lot of ways. Yes. Like, super spoiled by his parents. Like, always was the golden child. Mm -hmm. Always, like, blamed Monica or Chandler for all of his problems ever. Yes. And, like, could never take responsibility for his own actions. No, he yells too much. He, like, yelled at Rachel when they were dating several times. And if I was his girlfriend, I would have just, like, smacked him. Yeah, I understand that. I I definitely would have broken up with him. Like, I couldn't have stayed with somebody like that, I don't think. No. And the one where where no one's ready, when he yells at her to get ready and she just, like, goes and And changes back into a t-shirt. And she's not the one causing most of the problems. Like, Joey and Chandler. Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. (laughs) Like, like, Rachel's (laughs) not the problem in that situation. He does. Phoebe's got a big bow. Yeah, Someone's well, wearing someone else's underwear. No, Joey's not wearing any underwear. <laughs> but he's wearing all of Chandler's clothes. And then he starts to do lunges and exercise. <laughs> and he's sweating in all the clothes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good show, but it is. Ross is definitely my least favorite character. But yeah. I kinda think that's important. Yeah. Like you've like gotta the, have someone you don't love. Well so no, I feel like that's like kind of like anytime that I've been in, like, a big group of friends, like, I don't know, like, there's always, there's always kind of that person. Yeah, you all know that they might not probably be the nicest. Like, and probably, like, you love them because they're, like, they're one of your people. But sometimes you're, like, you're real mean, and why, <laughs> why do we put up with it? Yeah, like, how did you make your way in here? Because you came, you strode right in here, and then just started being mean to us. <laughs> Wow. You yell at us about the sandwiches we didn't eat and the, like, other things. The, things that the just times go wrong we were, with your yeah. own life. Yeah. And you, you're you still, like, a, a, mama's, a mama's boy. Yeah, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't think of anyone who's ever been in a friend group that I've been in who I've disliked as much as I've disliked Ross. Oh, I can think of a few. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I don't, I don't dislike Ross as much as you do. 
That's true. So we're on different levels with this. That's true. I really, really do hate the Ross and Rachel thing. Yeah. I think that he holds her back. Yeah. Like, their entire relationship, when he's showing up at her office with gifts... And well, he's, it's to, like, never for her. No, it's to prove that... What is his name? Mark? Mark. Mark. <laughs> yeah, who's prove... not interested in Rachel except as a friend. It, yeah, he's just like a jealous butthead. Yeah, and he is just like being rude to her and to Mark, who mm-hmm. like did all these nice things for Rachel, like very genuinely and sweetly. And like he, he would... Ross would rather like keep holding Rachel back than to allow her to like grow as a person and like be successful. Yeah. And this is after he makes a list saying that she's only a waitress. Yeah. That's like a downside to her. So he, he puts her down because she's not enough. And mm-hmm. then when she tries to grow and better herself, he still puts her down because well, he wants her to be his only thing. I think he's like threatened by like her success. Yeah. Because like he knows or at least he thinks, like, if she's successful, then she doesn't need or, like, want him. Because he considers himself, like, successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's the smartest man oh, in the room he's the entire like, time. Yeah, he's always like, I'm the smartest. He always, like, rubs it in the other friend's faces that, like, he has a doctorate or that he's doing all these, like, crazy things, like, for his, like, job. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's really, like, emotional intelligence for him is very low. Like, he's not a very, like, thoughtful or kind friend. This has become a real, like, let's hate on Ross kind of episode. <laughs> and I do want to, like, I want to throw it out there that I don't have any hard feelings towards the actor who played Ross. I think Michael Schwimmer is a fine, fine gentleman. And I think that's fine. He's good. He's fine. I don't, I, I just feel like we shouldn't hate on a real person. We can hate on a fictional person, and that's fine. But real people, we have to, like, be mindful of their feelings. Yeah, so that's, I don't know if he's watching. Yeah, just gonna throw that out there. Having done some research about Star Wars recently, and knowing, like, the psychological effects that, like, all the hate that, like, the actor who played Jar Jar Binks and the actor who played, uh, like, young Anakin, like, faced, and, like, how it's affected their lives. Like, young Anakin is in jail. <laughs> he's oh. in prison now. And he has schizophrenia. And a lot of it is, like, due to, like, the psychological trauma he suffered as a child, like, from, like, how negatively those movies were were received. So I just always want to throw it out there, like, separate the art from the artist and, and uh, like, as much as possible and, and be kind and mindful of real human beings with real emotions. Not that Michael Schwimmer will ever hear this. Is his name Michael Schwimmer? You know, I don't know. You said it so confidently. I was like, I whoa, did. she knows the names I know of Schwimmer, all the cast. I know it's Schwimmer for, for sure. Because he, like, does the swimming thing in the fountain, and it says Schwimmer. Um, but it might not actually be Michael. But I guess I'll just leave this mistake in there for now. Uh, because because it's too, le- it's too late. Mm. Um, That's okay. Yeah. It, it, it'll be fine. Uh, so, uh, let's move on from just hating on Ross to maybe some other things. David... David Schwimmer. <laughs> just gonna throw that out there now. It's maybe David. maybe you just started thinking Michael Phelps because he's a swimmer. Maybe. Also, it's been a it's been a minute since uh, I've watched Friends since it's been taken off of Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, bring it back, bring it back to us. Yes, uh, we're gonna start a petition. If you want to join us, uh, feel free to send in your angry letters to wecarevermuch at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll make sure those get to the television networks. Who deserve them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a promise we're not going to keep. But. <laughs> yeah. I thought keep up the, the fake email bit. Seemed fun. 
So let's start with like how the last episode goes, because the biggest events that happen are that one, like Monica and Chandler are adopting a baby. It turns out to be two babies. Yes. Double. Double the babies. Double the babies. Double double the fun. And they get the two babies and they're super excited, super pumped. And they're also moving out of the city mm-hmm. and leaving behind like the apartment. Yes. Or the apartment. Maybe it deserves that like that like hard the mm-hmm. apartment. And so, like, that's a big part of it. Rachel has accepted a job. (laughs) Making faces. Rachel has accepted a job to, like, go to Paris. And it's, like, this huge, like, promotion and, like, all this cool stuff that comes with all this, like, supportive care for her daughter, Emma. Mm -hmm. Who is also... (laughs) Going back to our last conversation. Yeah, who's also Ross's daughter, who he does not seem to care very much about. And, like... She's going off on this great opportunity, and Phoebe is married. Uh, oh yeah, to Paul Rudd of all people. Um, You're just like name dropping over here. Sometimes I know char- Sometimes I know actor names, and sometimes I don't. Like uh, I refer back to Michael Schwimmer and <laughs> that whole incident. But yeah, so like Phoebe's married. She's kind of got her own thing going on. Joey is kind of being abandoned. To, yeah, to a large degree. I feel like Joey went from being a self-sufficient adult man who was kind of a player, he was like a struggling actor, to like really becoming the group's man baby. Except he really comes through for Rachel through her whole like pregnancy and all that. Oh no, I love Joey. I think he's a good friend. I just think that over the years, he they kind of made down. him dumb. Yeah, he doesn't start that way. I was watching no. like one of the early episodes and he's like reading The Shining for, like, the third time. Like, he reads books and he does things. Mm-hmm. But then, like, by the last couple of seasons, like, uh, Pendulette, the magician, comes by to sell encyclopedias. I know I'm name-dropping more, but that's just one that stood out to me. He comes by, like, after they've been robbed and Joey only has, like, $50 in Chandler's pants that he happens to be wearing on accident. Yes. And uh, Pendulette's, like, selling encyclopedias and he buys one of the encyclopedias. And he's, like, he's, like, reading very simple things that he, like doesn't know and he's acting like he's never really read before but like early on joey read books he also read little women and he cried yeah he was a real person yeah they just kind of well i I think like the longer the the longer the show went on the stronger the stereotypes for each character got because like monica definitely becomes like kind of a harsher person because her most like dominating characteristics are like, her need to, like, clean. Mm-hmm. She shrill. Which has always been a thing. But, like, it becomes, like, such an overwhelming thing. And she's very shrill and controlling. Which, like, had been a part of her, like, personality before, but hadn't, like, overpowered her, like, like hostessness and, like, kindness and all that. Yeah, and you, you want someone's character arc to be them growing as a person. Yeah. You want them to become more complex. You want them to become better people by the end of it. Like, not to be stat Like you said, like, com- complex, dynamic characters who change positively, mm-hmm. not, like, stay static. Or, like, regress and go backwards. Yeah, and I think that that's a challenge that you get to when you have so many seasons of a show. You see it yeah. in a lot of different shows where those characters go from... Kind of, they might start off with a stereotype, mm-hmm. growing into something, and then eventually getting this peak where they start going mm-hmm. down again. Well, and that's really, like, at that peak is where shows honestly should be cut off. Like, mm-hmm. once characters meet their, like, character, like, arc, 
Or, like, one way longer-running shows make it work is they feature different characters at different times. Mm. So, like, you have seasons dedicated to this character's character arcs primarily. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, in next seasons, they play kind of a, a second fiddle kind of role and other characters are allowed to grow. But in Friends, since all of them feature so heavily in every episode, yeah, then they each had to grow or, like, not grow kind of equally. Mm-hmm. I would say the most static character... Actually, no, I'm going to take that back. I was going to say the most static character was Phoebe, but Phoebe really changes a good bit, and oh, for the better, Phoebe for sure. Phoebe is such a wonderful friend. Yeah. Oh, she's a wonderful friend, but she's a wonderful friend from the start. Yeah, she, she really grows into this complex character who isn't just this weirdo. Because right. they start her off as kind of like, she might be like a, a little bit outside weirdo. of the circle, friend. Yeah. Like she, I mean, they even say it in one of the episodes, like you, you fall out easily because mm-hmm. you live far away and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they start her out as this ditzy, yeah, like weird, kind of. Kind of crazy. Yeah, like mystic person. And, and with no, like very little explanation for why she is that way. Yes. But as the seasons go on, like, you really start to, like, understand and, like, have empathy for her character and her background. And she, like, overcomes a lot of her issues. Because mm-hmm. she has a lot of, like, commitment issues throughout the show. And, yeah. like, by the final season, she marries whatever Paul Rudd's character's name is. <laughs> I know at one point he wants to change his name to, to Crap Bag. Yeah, because she changes her name to something Banana Hammock. Princess, yeah. Princess Consuela, Consuela Banana, Banana Hammock. Hammock. Yep. Um, and so, he, but we can't remember his real name. Yeah, but he says I will change my name to. Is it Paul? No, his real name is Paul. The actor. Ah. I don't know what the character's name is. That's too much for it's, me to it's remember. It's not Mark either. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Michael back. is the one we guessed before for David Schwimmer. Uh, I'm gonna keep going I'm back not through sure these. Who he is? Reuse name. Who does Paul Rudd play? Paul Rudd? Mike. Mike. His name's Mike. Mike. It is Mike. Wow. Who got there? Uh, so Mike, she like finally commits to Mike and they get married and like, they're going to have like this good, happy life together. That's the one storyline from like the final season and final episode that I'm really like happy with. Yeah. I would keep that the same Mm -hmm. because Phoebe for the first time in her life, like has a family and has like stability and has like a safe person who loves her like unconditionally. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. They really created the perfect person for her. Who's not Mm -hmm. just a booty call or anything like that. And he's not like judgmental or, and like he's empathetic to her past and like very sweet and loving and, and steady. Like he's steady. She's never had steady. Yeah. And he plays the piano. Yeah. In a really, like, fun, sweet way. Like, he's goofy just in the same way that she's goofy and can be a little bit off the walls. Yeah. He just kind of goes with it. So I think for the ending, we'd keep that the same. Yeah, good. Good. Save it. Leave it. We're done. Uh, Storylines I'd really like to change. Let's talk about Ross and Rachel without hating on Ross too much, but a little. Okay, but I I have to. Okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna. I was saying that more for me than for you. <laughs> I don't hate Ross as a person as much. I think he has a lot going for him. I think that he really does. I wish he had grown up it. over the course of the show, but he doesn't. Like he stays very much the same. He's. I a think pretty... he gets worse. Oh yeah, he's a static, if not like a. Yeah, like a backsliding character. Yeah, because in the first episodes, he's a really good brother. Yeah, he's really sweet. He's very supportive. Yes, he's overly emotional, but like okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, better overly emotional than not emotional. Sure, and as the seasons go on, he kind of becomes 
angry, mm-hmm. like too stoic. Angry, he doesn't have a obsessive. sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. He obsesses over things. He is very controlling. Mm-hmm. And he like always takes things too far. Yeah. And like the episode where he doesn't want the male nanny and he yeah. just has that prejudice that he refuses to let go and makes a huge deal out even of though, even like, though he's perfect. And like the fact that he's going to overrule like what's best for his child. Like, because objectively, based off of everyone they interviewed, like, this nanny is the best one. Like, he's the most well-trained. He's, the, like, certified in all the things. He has studied all these child psychology things. And he's the most, like, involved and, like, positive and, like, helpful. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ross is willing to throw all of that out the window and get a subpar nanny just to not feel threatened. Yeah, I mean, he just has a dogmatism against male nannies in general. Yeah. Like, it... it and I think that's, that's like, a, that's definitely uh, shows, like, his degeneration as a character, I think. That yeah. he's, and that's, like, that's his jealousy because a lot of it has to do with, like, he doesn't want, like, a handsome, attractive man, like, in their house who isn't him, but he wouldn't mind hiring, like, an attractive female nanny. Yeah. Which, like, and doesn't consider that, like, that might make Rachel uncomfortable. Yeah, that that would be the same thing. Yeah. Like, he, and he, he, as the show goes on, like, never considers other people's feelings. No. He just plows through and gets louder and louder as things go on. Yeah. And, like, the thing well, I mean, even, like, in, even in the, like, we were on a break whole thing. Yeah. Like, he, his only strategy is for, like, shouting it louder and louder. Literally. Yeah. And he never even admits to being, like, oh, partially he never wrong. Yeah. He's never, like, okay, I see that we were just dating six hours ago and you might be hurt. Yeah, or, like, I understand that, like, this hurt you. Like, it, it's always just, like, we were on a break and you should be over it. Yeah. Like, yeah. day of, who cares, we were on a break. Yeah. Whatever. And Mark. his first instinct is to hide it from Rachel than to, like, admit it. Well, once she catches him, right? Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't admit it until, he doesn't admit it at all. She finds out first and he's like, Ooh, he goes on this whole trail to like hide it. Yeah. To convince all these people who know about it, like not to tell her. And like, then he finds out like the last link in the chain is Gunther. Who's always been in love with Rachel Mm. who tells Rachel. And he's like, oops, was I not supposed to say something? (laughs) And Rachel, like Ross turns around and Rachel's there in the coffee shop and she's just watched him try to convince Gunther not to say anything. Yeah, and I so, think like, that, she that knows he been... was gonna hide it. I think that that was a good end to their relationship. And I think I would say for the rest of the show, I would say that's where it ends. Yeah, yeah. I like, think they you should see not that get they back didn't together. Work out. Even I would say I don't think they should have a baby together. No, the whole like friendship with them and then them just continuing to go back a little bit was. <sighs> It was exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's tired. It's a very, like, tired kind of thing to do. Like, a way to create drama. And I think the show writers know that they had created, like, this couple Mm -hmm. that a lot of people did ship Mm -hmm. because they put it in these contexts of, like, oh, isn't it romantic? Like, they love each other so much. But, like, all this stuff. But when in real life, like, people would be like, no, like, I'm done. Yeah. And, like, if this was your real life friend, you would be exhausted by talking to them about the same person. This is not... Three months down the road, they're still texting their ex. This is eight years later. Mm-hmm. They're still seeing each other all the time. Mm-hmm. They're still talking to each other, hanging out, living together. They have a baby together. They're always, always, always fighting. 
There's yeah. always drama. And they're never just, like, peaceful. No. They don't ever go their separate ways. I don't feel like there's ever any closure. And when there's the one opportunity for there to be closure, mm-hmm. Rachel gets this amazing job. Everyone else is moving away. You're going so your separate ways. So it can be a happy ways. ending for everyone. Everyone can start fresh, basically. Yes. Start fresh, keep in touch, that kind of thing. Opportunity for, like, a reunion episode in the future. Yeah. But instead... He decides that those last eight years were a huge mistake. He shouldn't have lived without her. And so, instead of letting it go, letting her be happy, he decides to go make her feel horrible Mm -hmm. as she's making this huge leap, which is not a good friend thing to do. Right. Which has, this leap has been so, like, I think integral to her character arc. Because Rachel starts off in the show as this runaway bride who's always, like, been dependent on her parents' money and then, like, has been prepared to be dependent on, like, her husband's money mm-hmm. and, like, has never had to work a day in her life or, like, be a part of the real world who finally, like, realizes, like, I'm getting married not because I love somebody but because I feel like I have to. And she, like, doesn't do it. She backs yeah. out. And that's, like, her first step towards independence. And so every season of the show has been her working towards independence and, like, yeah. confidence and, like, learning how to have, like, healthy relationships with friends and learning how to live on her own and learning how to have a job and keep a job mm-hmm. and, like, learn things for a job and how to, like, advocate for herself and all these, like, steps towards independence and, like, like doing well. Yeah. And then she throws it all away when she has this opportunity for this great job for someone who has hurt her so much in the past. Yeah. It's not romantic. It's sad. Yeah. It's like she's gone back to being the same person because now she doesn't have a job again. Yep. She's running back to the person that she's now going to have to be financially dependent on at least for a while until she can find another job in the city, which is something she's been trying to do for months and months. Yeah. She's abandoning everything that she's gained mm-hmm. for a person she could have had eight years ago and didn't for good reason. Right. Because he was not a good person to her in that relationship. No. Yeah. I agree. So I would say I would change about that whole last... I mean, and this would be something you'd have to change throughout the last couple of seasons is I would say they never get back together. No. And they don't have a baby. Maybe they become friends and he becomes a better person. Yeah. I could. I would totally be behind that. That he like sees... Like, how he was being, like, manipulative and controlling. And he, like, can kind of, like, back off. And they can have, like, this friend relationship where they mm-hmm. can be, like, happy for each other. And, like, I would love to see him grow as a person. Yeah. And her grow as a person. Because that's what you want. Like Yeah. And even if you did the same thing with her running away and getting back together with him. If you have several seasons of him growing as a person where... He's actually, like, apologizing for what Mm -hmm. he did and growing. And they have, like, a beautiful friendship where they're not just constantly bickering. Mm -hmm. Then that would be more reasonable. Then I would say I could see an alternative ending. You see him growing. So Mm -hmm. either either you could have him. He doesn't grow. Ross remains static. Because, I mean, like, in a group of friends, like, with that many people in a group, people do tend to say, like, some some percentage of people stay static. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he does stay static. And Rachel grows. They don't have a baby together. So she's even more independent. And she does take that job in Paris. And she goes. Yep. Yep. And I think, like, I think that would be good. That would be, like, she has, like, relaunched herself. She no longer has to be here and be dependent, like, on her friends. She can, like, step out in, like, comfort and, like, 
confidence into like something new and unknown i think you yeah. have that or you could have they have that whole breakout breakup after the the whole like we were on a break incident and then you have seasons of ross like becoming a better person yeah like you'd have to work in some like believable things like you can't just like deus ex machina like like rewrite ross's brain <laughs> but like you can insert like incidents that would happen that would help him change yeah like generate growth in realistic like, ways i think it wouldn't be so bad if you mirrored like maybe even rachel's progression and ross like lose loses his job yeah because you know he gets like suspended or whatever because of his temper tantrum at his boss over the sandwich well he does so many inappropriate things oh yeah like his issue with his student he dates a student student. there's another issue where the other student tells him he's in love with him yeah and he like has that whole outburst where he's like you told me you loved me and it meant nothing like all of these things if you were at a normal job You'd be fired. You'd have, like, civil lawsuits out against you. You would never be able to get a job again. Mm -mm. Let alone, like, get tenure after, what, three years? Yeah. I would say you'd have to have, like, Ross actually show that he's growing. You would need him to actually, like, have to face some consequences. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he should lose his job. For real. All his jobs, he should have to be... Like, he's gonna have to bum off of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And maybe... You have him move in with, like, Joey. He already did that. He moved in. He did move in. He moved in with them, and he was a terrible roommate. He did. They hated him. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, well, maybe you could have had that be a growing experience for him instead. I think it was a little bit. He did change a little bit. Because he started off being really, really controlling in that situation. I don't remember exactly what. I think he was getting mad at them for not cleaning and stuff Mm -hmm. like that right but he like came in and like wrecked their whole like way of life when they've been living together for like what like over 10 years Mm -hmm. um but that was because he lost his apartment because he sold it for whoever yeah i would say he needs to grow so you could have him grow by losing his job by having to like live off of the charity of others for a while by having to take a more lowly job maybe he takes a a turn working at the coffee shop you know Mm. at square perk because i mean joey's worked there Wait, did you call it square perk yeah no it's square perk no it's not wait it is this is a law of silence no wait but it is it is square perk that's not what it's called yeah it's supposed to, it's a play on like Square Park. Central Perk. Ah, Central Perk. Ha! Ah, I was wrong. Oh no. That's Square the second time perk. I've been wrong with like the first word in a name. Yeah. Why was I thinking Square Perk? I don't know. It sounded so wrong and you were so confident. Well, you didn't have a better alternative. No. I had to think of the alternative. If you had said, quick, name the office thing, I would have been able to tell you the office. The office. <laughs> Different show. <laughs> the friend. Next week. <laughs> Next week. Um. Okay, so, like, maybe he should have taken a turn working at Central Perk uh, and having to, like, be humbled in that way. Maybe he, like, could have had some other instance or stuff kind of happen. I think he could have grown, and if he had grown, Rachel receives that job officer, off, officer, that job <laughs> offered to go to Paris and all that, and Ross, like, tells her that he loves her, and he buys a ticket and goes with her interesting 
I think that would you, be cool. You've created a whole new level of like, ooh, we're changing the script. I like it. I like it. I think I like that even better. Yeah. Because I think that would keep more fans happy. Mm-hmm. Because lots of people really do like them. And, like, it's kind of iconic. Like, the whole Ross Rachel thing. Sure. And if you give them a good ending where you're also empowering Rachel to still make the decision that's right for her and letting us see that Ross is willing to give up something instead of always asking her to give up things. Yeah. Like, in the beginning, he asked her to give up her job because he didn't like Mark. He asked her to, like, not do her... Uh, she kept going to those conferences for the oh, yeah. fashion things. And yep. he didn't want to go to those anymore. He didn't want mm-hmm. her to go on her own. Yep. He just always takes things from her. Yeah. And then... Well, he's always been the taking friend in every relationship. Like, he takes more than he gives. I gotta I gotta let that ruminate. I don't remember. I can't think of another situation well, where that's Well, I mean, like, the, the whole situation where he's, like, taking from the situation of living with Joey and, and, and Chandler... Yeah. Like, he's more of a taker than a giver. Like, he doesn't want to, like, give an inch on anything. And every time he visits Carol and Susan, they're, like, exhausted from their day or they're doing their own thing. Oh, and he wants to, like, rant about his, like, his problems. And he, like, is a terrible father. Yeah. Ben, like, doesn't exist to him. He only uses Ben when it's, like, convenient. Yeah. And I know, like, the kid is not, like, the primary purpose of the show, but still, like having a child is a major part to any person's life Mm -hmm. and so i think it and other shows show that it can be like successfully incorporated yeah you have shows i mean it doesn't all have to be like full house you don't have to have the show turn into oh this is like a Mm feel-good kids show where everyone in the family can watch it and have everyone represented but showing someone raising a kid isn't boring no it's it's empowering to anyone who wants to be a strong individual and raise a kid in society yeah for sure and and show like the the help that like a a friendship community can be sure because it can be so isolating to raise kids i know this Mm -hmm. from however many friends i have now that have kids like it can be really hard to ask for help or to like share your struggles Sure, and if you're not working and you're just staying at home with your kid, it can be so, so isolating. Mm-hmm. So when you show that in an, a series where you feel like these are real-life people, they become real to everyone sitting in your living room becoming mm-hmm. your friends. And if they have kids and they're not really struggling with it, the kids are kind of not their main focus. Well, I mean, and Ross almost never is, like, in possession of Ben. Like, no. anytime Ben shows up, he... He's visiting. Pawn, yeah, well, he's visiting, and then usually Ross pawns him off on either Monica or Rachel. Like, yeah, he only ever has. Ooh, or even Chandler and Joey. That one time they lose Ben. Yes, when he's a baby. When he's a baby, and maybe they don't get the real Ben back. Yeah, maybe, maybe they Ben get, is never the same. Maybe Ben is never the same after that, <laughs> uh, which might explain why he doesn't like look like Ross at maybe. all. Maybe. Mm. Uh, but that's a whole nother can of worms. But like Ross never like hangs on to his kid for more than like thirty minutes. No. I would say over the course of the show, every other friend in the group has, like, been more than Ross does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And even with, like, oh, I don't know. I'm not even going to get into the whole Hanukkah thing. That entire episode where he leaves Ben with everyone else in the entire world. Because he's obsessed with, like, making this one impression about Hanukkah. Yeah, which, like, good. Show your culture, but... You don't have to pawn your kid off on like someone else. All of time, all like, of with your kid. holiday Season. holiday break, like the whole holiday break you have with him. Yeah, he's obsessing over like forcing 
forcing this kid to stop celebrating yeah. Christmas so he can teach him about the Maccabees. Yes. Which, awesome. But, yeah. I mean, you don't have to ruin this child's, like, whole holiday season. Yeah. Like, better to have, like, the good memories and, like, spend time with him than to, like, or take him with you, like, while you do all these things. Or, like, find another way to show it. Like, he's so, Ross is such a, like, one-track thinker, like, obsessive of, Mm -hmm. like, it must be done this way because this is the way I imagined it. And he's so inflexible in his thinking. I think it would be really cool to show him having to, like, learn to grow out of that. Because I think mm-hmm. that, like, concreteness is a very childish thing. Yeah. He has a really hard time seeing things from other people's perspectives. For sure. So when Rachel does anything or has an argument with him at all, he brings it back to his issue with her. Yeah. With Well, because, like, he thinks it's all about him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even when she's, like, exhausted from him constantly bringing up Mark and not being supportive of her career, he just looks at her after listening to her talk to him Mm -hmm. in a very clear voice about everything that she is frustrated with him about. He looks her dead in the eye and says, is this about Mark? And that's when Uh. you just want to, like, you, like, clench your fists and then you, like... Your knuckles turn white, and then you slowly release your fists, and you're just like, I hate him. Yes. I I can picture him holding the axe now, and yes. my foot pressing down on the accelerator. Um, yeah, and not to be unfair to him. I mean, we have, every one of us had that experience with our significant other, where we're, where we are communicating just fine, and they're oh, yeah. completely missing the point. But I yeah. think that the problem is- I think is, we've probably all been on like both sides of that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Not, I'm always right. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he doesn't. Like, you only see like that side of him. it's consistent that that's always the side that's pre- presented of him. Yeah, if you see Ross having an argument, he has zero ability to be like, oh, I see where you're coming from. Which, like, everybody else in the show is pretty good, like, is a pretty empathetic person who's able to, like, look at things from other people's perspectives Mm -hmm. but ross is the one that isn't like he's not able to like look at it from another perspective it's always his perspective and it's always about like what will be best for him and like work out the best for him yeah and i think that's what like really frustrates me about him is like his selfishness and immaturity Mm -hmm. and like lack of growth like like backsliding i have a crazy thought for rewriting the show okay So, we talked about that he needs to, like, grow as a person, and I think also as a parent, right? Sure. So, what if uh, you killed off... Who are you killing? (laughs) In the show where, like, no major character dies. uh, I think you have to kill off Ross's ex-wife and her wife. Why? If you killed them and he has to take full custody of Ben in this time where he's also like lost his job and he like suddenly has to become a good parent and he has to like learn how to be a parent and all this stuff, like I think he'd grow a lot. I know uh, it's not I know it's not okay, fair to Carol crazy. and Susan. Okay, okay. Let's 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 go down this rabbit hole. First off, I, you're I said insane. It was a, I said it was a crazy idea. I'm just upset that you're willing to kill off, like, these gentle, loving parents that have always been there I'm for Ben. I'm not saying I want to they're, kill them off. They're involved enough that, like, Ross isn't an active parent in his life. 
at all. But I, so I'm not looking at it from like a, like a human standpoint. I'm looking at it from like a writer standpoint. Sure. We already established earlier that writers like create things to take them away mm-hmm. and cause pain. And so if I were the writer of the show and I know that like while Carol and Susan are like good parents to their child and like are like better quality human beings than Ross. Yeah. <laughs> over the course of the show. Uh, well, I know that. And I've created them to be such, if mm-hmm. I were the writer. Ross is a main character and they are not. Yeah. And so that means the story will always be about the main characters and their journey, not secondary characters and their journeys. Mm-hmm. And so they would be expendable. Much like every other side character who comes in for any stint of time and like... Any other series. Yeah. Series of anything. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying like that's like the moral like good kind thing to do i'm just saying if my goal is to like get ross from point a to point b like that sure would do it sure but if this was a trolley problem i turn the tracks on ross yeah but it's not like ross you have like set aside as this is the one like we you have can't, to fix them you can't use this track because like we've made it a priority like mm-hmm. this one is a priority that where you could kill off ross that would be another extreme measure i would kill off ross Okay, should in we kill off way, Ross in our, in our rewrite? Uh, <laughs> You're not ready to commit? No, I'm not going to commit to that. Okay. I think that, I think that if he just like, becomes or do you a think, better person. Or do you think we take the same route as the real writers and we say, like, Ben doesn't exist. <laughs> like, we just kind of, like, forget about Ben in the final season. Yeah, why not? Okay, so we'll stick to that. I don't think that's the best quality writing. But, but I think I think I think it works. We we say Ben doesn't exist for the for practical purposes. We'll we'll all pretend in our minds as we did in watching the last one that like Ross has him in the weekends that aren't featured on the show mm-hmm. and over holidays that don't exist. Sure, we'll say that, and we'll say that <clears throat> carries over even if he goes with Rachel to Paris. Yeah, as a better person. I also have a thought. Okay. Is Why is it no? I just I'm just going back to this whole Hanukkah thing because it's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Why is it that Ben is like seven years old and has never heard of Hanukkah when his father is Jewish? Father and grandparents. Yeah, like his whole family on his dad's side. Do we ever see Ross's parents with Ben? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Maybe maybe when he's born, maybe. but that's so strange. Yeah, but you know. I think that it's bizarre that this kid is like, what, seven, eight years old? Yeah. And for the very first time in his life, his dad has him for any span of holiday time and is just now introducing this like super integral part of their like religion and culture. And he has no idea about it. Mm. Like most kids, speaking from like me and my family. At like like, four years old, know like what holidays they celebrate. Yeah, like with my family, my older sisters and their whole side of the family, they're Jewish. So we did Hanukkah throughout Hanukkah. And Mm -hmm. then the night before Christmas, we do like the celebration of like whatever, I don't know, like kosher foods and enjoy it. We read Hanukkah stories and that's our big night to celebrate whatever. I mean, Hanukkah is different days of the week Mm -hmm. or whatever. But then we celebrate Christmas. We do both. Mm Mm-hmm. But we keep them separate enough that we still give each one, I don't know, its own day of glory. Yeah. Days. So-and-so. So, if Ben is seven years old, eight years old, and is just now figuring out, like, anything, 
Mm-hmm. Ross is really not done. I done. mean, I think I think it's just a good example of what a terrible parent that Ross has been this whole time. Yeah, like he has literally never had him for any span of holiday, or has or never he has, cared he until this very moment. Also, we never see Ross celebrate Hanukkah at any point separate from Ben, do we? Well, I think that they're kind of. Yeah, they're like nominally yeah. Jewish. I don't then, think like, they why ever. Why is it suddenly so important that he has to like share with Ben on this his seventh year of birth? Like... Yeah, yeah, it's not. Also, I think the writers of the show don't know much about like child development or ages because Ben is like a baby and then he's twelve. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he's a baby and then he's twelve in and... two years. In two years, and there's no difference. But even when he's twelve, he's like. He's, like, a 12-year-old body, like, person, mm-hmm. who's, like, been instructed to behave like they're, like, two and a half. Yeah, he doesn't say much. He doesn't say much. He pitches fits. Like, he does stuff. Like, like um, it's just, he does the whole mocking game thing. Maybe yeah. I just had, like, really good experiences with small children. Like, my nieces and nephews, much, like, higher brow humor and things than that by those ages. Yeah. But that that's very... We have we have gone off. We've digressed. On. So I think we can agree. We think the whole Ross Rachel storyline needs to change. Yes. Keep Rachel on a path towards like further like self improvement, independence, confidence, and like success. Mm-hmm. Launching her onto this new job in Paris. Yeah. And I think we can agree. We do want that scene in the airport. Mm-hmm. We want it to be different. Yeah. We want, like, a Ross who's grown out of adversity, like, been forced to finally, like, reckon with his, like, choices, who's grown and then, like, goes to Rachel in the airport and, like, confesses his love. Because I think that scene is pretty iconic. Yeah. At least change it enough that he's going with her or yeah. he's a better And then I think being. he should go with her. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really good. Yeah. So we've got that storyline da- down. We like Phoebe's storyline as it is. So, so let's talk a bit about Monica, Monica. <laughs> and Chandler. Bing. Mr. and Mrs. Bing. 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 I know, I wanted to do it too. Um, <laughs> or Chenandler. Mrs. Chenandler Mrs. Bong. Mrs. Chenandler Bong. As is written on their TV guide that gets delivered to uh, Rachel and Monica's house at apartment every month or week i don't know how often tv guides I don't come think out it gets delivered there i think they steal it every week they do steal it It doesn't get delivered there you're right <laughs> yes so they have been trying to have a kid mm-hmm. for a long time and they can't no. which is really sad because that's something that's been really clear in Monica's, monica's character even from like season one that she, she wants a baby she wants a baby so bad like she wants a baby the whole family thing and like so you're you're all set on like when Monica finds the right person, I mean that's the whole reason she breaks up with Richard, who like yeah, is otherwise he like doesn't a great want boyfriend, because he doesn't want any more kids. So you get to this point where she's finally married, happily married. Mm-hmm. She's been in this with relationship. someone she loves, who we yeah, love. They're so sweet. I love Chandler. Yeah. I think he's my favorite friend. Aww. Maybe him or or Joey, but their relationship together is my favorite. Yeah, they're wonderful people, but. She gets to this place in her life, they get to this place in their life where they're finally ready. Like, he is ready to have kids, which you don't really expect to see based on what's been going on in his life this whole time. Except Chandler grows. Yeah, I think Chandler grows a lot. He gets out of his, like, commitment issue, like, fears. Oh, yeah, like, like, his whole parents' divorce thing, 
That's like haunted him his whole life. He finally gets to this point in his life where he's like, I'm ready to get married. Mm -hmm. And everyone cries when they get engaged, including everyone in the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's a really, really satisfying way to... I think he's another character who develops so well. Yeah, he turns from this neurotic kid who's like super obsessed with his parents' divorce, always going back to smoking the second he gets Mm -hmm. stressed. He just has all these unhealthy habits. Relationship-wise, he always finds an issue with every girl. He... Mm -hmm. Self-sabotages all the time. He's not always a good friend in the beginning. Right, well, because he's mean. His humor is mean a lot of the time. Yeah. But as time goes on, like, Chandler, I think, stays or gets funnier and nicer. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's helpful. He really... This is another thing I hate Ross for, but I love Chandler for. Remember when Joey is really, really, really down on his luck and Chandler creates a whole like fake card game to help Joey win money? Ooh, yes. Yeah, it's cups or whatever. Yeah, something. Yeah. And he teaches him this whole game and everything Joey does, he wins. And he like gives Joey like like $1,500, like enough yeah. for like rent for the next like couple of months and mm-hmm. stuff. And then Ross... Steals it all. Yeah, Ross and when he it won't give fake, it back. And he won't give it back, even when he understands, like, why Chandler did it. Yeah, he is too intelligent to be... And he was too successful. Like, he had enough... It's not that he needed money. No, he just, he like, just really, really gets obsessed with winning. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a lot of people who have... I don't want to, I don't want to like, name all these people. But I think a lot of people who have higher intelligence tend to be lower functioning socially and have to learn that it yeah. doesn't come as naturally like to if them. it wasn't fostered when they were a child it's harder for them to learn it because yeah, people who are especially gifted just seem to struggle with that more hmm. well i think because there's a level of distance that that grows up between people like that and and other people in their so in their same like age group sure yeah and you see that with kids mm-hmm. who do the same thing like kids who are like no i won like i won because the logic side of them is so strong and the like emotional like empathetic side of them is so weak yeah like you see 12 year olds who win against a three-year-old at checkers or something and they like demand that they get praised or whatever Mm -hmm. and they don't care that the three-year-old is crying yeah because they're just happy that they like they smashed, won. yeah. Smash this kid's hopes and dreams by winning mm-hmm. so victoriously, and that's Ross. Yeah, like he demands the money, he demands the praise. He's like, "No, I won fair and square." Mm-hmm. But we were talking. We about- digress. That was about Chandler and how much Chandler has grown. And we talked about that Monica has not grown so much. She kind of becomes a bit static near the end and mm-hmm. very like defined by her stereotypes. But a thing that carries over is her love of children and her desire to have a baby, especially with uh, Chandler, who she loves very much. Mm-hmm. And then they're not able to, so they turn to adoption, which I think is a really cool storyline, especially looking at Friends, which came out like a minute ago. Yeah, I mean, that was not typical. And you see, I've seen this in a thread before, so don't think of this as my own mm-hmm. thought. But each one of the women and friends has a different pregnancy story. They have a different mm. way they get pregnant. Like, Phoebe is a surrogate. Um, Rachel is a single mom mm-hmm. who doesn't mean to get pregnant but still does a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And then Monica, who can't get pregnant and ends up adopting. Yeah. And I think that that's really wonderful and I wouldn't change that. Yeah, I think that's really sweet. Um 
I think that was like a, a, a good choice by like the, the show writers because it appeals to so many people and so many people's like experiences. Yeah. Um, and I love, like, I mean, I'm a big advocate and like fan of adoption. So I love to see like adoption represented well, like in uh, media yeah. and in a positive light. Yeah. And like you were saying so long ago. Yeah. Now, I mean, that that was what, like 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, like I mean, it came out in the '90s for mm. the most part. The last few episodes came, or last few seasons came out in like 2001, 2002. So yeah, like 20, 30 years ago. That's a really long time. Yeah. For. I mean, adoption I is still like it's being normalized, but it's still not all the way there. There are a lot of people with prejudices and and stereotypes in their minds about it. Yeah, so I think it's really wonderful that they were able to incorporate that into their storyline. And, I don't know, make it work, make it happy. The one thing I would change is how late in the season. Like, it's the very last episode when they get their babies. And I understand that, like, you want the ending to be impactful. But I think you can still have that impactful or, like, satisfying ending. But you could give the audience a little more time with them and the babies. Mm Because this has been a thing they've wanted so long. It just feels so rushed at the end. I think everybody we've talked to about the show ever has said like that last episode that last season feels very rushed yeah it seems like at the same time that they're rushing to get things finalized they're still running out of ideas like with rachel getting together with joey for a minute and then kind Mm -hmm. of fizzling out and they could have they could have gotten rid of all that awkwardness and just had like platonic feelings between them Mm -hmm. and focused more focused more on chandler and monica's journey with their children yeah, because they, yeah, they wanted it so bad, and at the end of it, they just, like, you like see them for a barely, second. Yeah. And then they're moving. It's not like the scene closes out, and they're, and you oh, know they're going to be friends gonna, like, forever. Yeah. They're going to stick together. It's kind of melancholy, and I think it's a trope. I mean, you see that in, what, Family Matters? You see it in a lot of different... Of, like, this is the end. This is the end. They turn the lights off in the house that they've always, like known Mm -hmm. and i get that that's symbolic of you know this is a set yeah Yeah, you're closing the set and they do that a lot but i don't think it's necessary i think you could have had like just as good an ending where you have that that feeling of continuation that feeling of we've just stepped into this world to observe for this set amount of time yeah and and they end in the coffee shop yeah and it continues to spin on without us yeah and they end in the coffee shop would have great like uh uh circuity to it almost of, mm-hmm. of like we had this repeating beginning and end of we start in the coffee shop where somebody rushes in oh, oh I had a, i'm gonna cry okay i had a really good idea i just thought of so the final scene you could have them all sitting in the coffee shop oh rachel rushes in <laughs> you could have rachel rush in and like ahead of her rushes little emma who's grown up bigger and she rushes in and she rushes up to them and monica and chandler's little kids are there and phoebe and mike have a baby in their arms and everybody's there and like you know that like rachel and ross have like gone off to paris and they're living their life but they still come back like you know that they come back that they like keep this connection because they've built these friendships over like a decade yeah i think that would have been really wonderful like a harry potter ending yeah when they when you know that like it's 10 years down the road and yeah. 
And I don't think you have to say that, like, Monica and Chandler live in that apartment forever. No, but if they're in the coffee shop and you kind of see that they've still got those connections. Because as it is, Monica and Chandler are moving away. Yeah. They've got a room for Joey, but, like... But it's far away. He's an actor. He has to live in the city if he wants to keep his job. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's going to be able to drive, what, the hour, hour and a half Mm -hmm. out all the time? He doesn't have a car. No. And Phoebe's not going to have her taxi running forever. Yeah. It's really... Like, it very much feels like... Like, this was it. Like, we we did... It's been a good run. The end. Like, we'll... Like, we may never see each other again. That kind of feeling. Which I feel like is not... Like, that shouldn't be the message of the show. Because one of the big, like, hopeful, happy things about the show, and one reason I think so many people resonate with it and find it comforting is, look at all these adults who've, like, been out of college for a while, who have, like, professional jobs, Mm -hmm. who have struggled in their careers, who've had successes and failures and all this, and, like, have a strong, like, centralized friend group like, it's, it's real. It's possible. And I would say, like, we're learning that, like, that is possible. And yeah. that, like, while things might change and people might move farther away or whatever, like, you can maintain these connections. Like, we have friends who have moved, like, to the Midwest and stuff for, for either, like, forever mm-hmm. or for, like, different periods of time who still, like, return to visit or who've, who've moved from, like, we live in kind of a rural area to a, a city and, like, one of them showed up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, to visit. And you can show that, like, even, like, I think since that was such a powerful, like, part of the show throughout, it would be really great to show that it, like, reinforce that again at the end. Yeah. Because themes, themes are important. Like, stories, stories are best when character driven, but the characters always are pushing some kind of theme. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been a huge one for Friends of, like, like, it's possible to, like, have good friends. And, like, it's important. It's valuable. And, like, this is how you do it. Yeah. And I think that if we had just... I don't know. I don't I don't think it's bad that they're moving away. No. I think that it's important that if you can at least show that they moved away and they made it. And they mm-hmm. were able to carry on with their friendships. I mean, this literally titled Friends. Yeah. This is about their friend group. So, if their friend group is fizzling out at the end if it's dispersing to all these it's different not parts. a success it's not it's like you watched it all the way through and you get to the end of their friendship and that's just not the way life works yeah like everyone leaving at the same time it's not a graduation these are adults mm-hmm. they're living in places that they own mm-hmm. like most of these people like own their, own their, their apartment yeah and they have sturdy jobs i mean ross is he has tenure. These people have built these friendships together and they should be able to stay friends. Like, I don't feel like that's too much to ask yeah. for them to. I feel like it more naturally, it would be more gradual. Like, yeah, Rachel and Ross go to Paris mm-hmm. and Phoebe and Mike stay. Yeah. In, in city, in the city. I can't imagine Phoebe living anywhere else but New York City. And then you have Monica and Chandler have their babies and they know that one day they're going to want to move out. Of yeah. The city. Maybe when their kids get to like kindergarten age yeah. and they need to find a school that they want to right actually now, put like, them in. And even maybe have them express that they value the like, like we know it takes a village and like mm-hmm. our village is here. 
and like they acknowledge that and prioritize like we know the value of having people we know yeah because like here i mean previously stated having kids is isolating Mm-hmm. So moving to a different place the second you have two newborn children where none of your close friends can babysit or, your family. or help you. And do they have jobs there? Like lined up? No, it sounds like they're going to continue working in the city. How far away are they living? Like an hour. That's insane. Right, but lots of people commute an hour to a city. Ugh, this is stressing me Isn't out. Isn't that exhausting? Yeah. I think that they shouldn't have made this choice right away. Yeah, I, and I don't think it would be super realistic because that's a lot of change to have happen all at once. Yeah, you want to have a couple years after you're first married and after your first kids to be able to be in a support system that you've already created. Yeah, because I mean, like, that's one of the beauties of, like, having friends that you grow up with and, like, grow with as an adult is that, like, these people... Like, you've got people who are willing to be babysitters and people who, like, want to attend birthday parties and who might have kids about the same age. Mm Because, like, Mike and Phoebe, I would picture them, like, having kids, like, not long after. Yeah. And you have, like... Emma. Emma's around the same age. Yeah. And she's their cousin. And you can have, like, you have this whole support system. Plus, like, Monica's family, who, though they haven't always been great, like, still family is family. Like, they live in the city. Yeah. Like, you have them there. Um, Yeah, I just think it would be much more realistic, much more satisfying if you make it less of, like, a... I know it's, like, neat and tidy to, like, wrap it all up and, like, disperse everybody. Yeah. Oh, everyone's going off their own ways. Bye. Yeah. But I think it would be better to be, like, they stay in the city. Joey's across, like, the hall. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you have that consistency of, like, Joey and Chandler have always, like, been, been, like neighbors roommates that kind of thing you have that and then maybe you also have like the introduction of someone more serious in like joey's life yeah yeah or you have like some breakthrough in his career which i think they kind of do have a breakthrough for his career near the end but like you can't because doesn't he go back as dr drake ramore but different he well, has the brain of that female actress instead of his own. Yeah, I think that he does get more secure financially. He, I don't know. Yeah, he starts to... But I think he doesn't get the attention he deserves in the end either. No, and I do think it's important that you leave some of the friends single too, maybe. Yeah. Because that's another aspect of adulthood is that not all of the people you know are going to get married right away. Yeah. And some people are just, like, happy and content to be single, so you don't have to have everyone, like, yeah. wrapped up in a bow of marriage. But I do think it would be nice to see him kind of growing up. Yeah. Like, that is like one either of the he gets some, like, more grown-up, like, acting gig or, like, something along those lines. I'd also like to erase the parts where they've dumbed him down, like, so much. Yeah, that was something we talked about earlier, was with him just turning into a man baby like everyone kind of takes care of him like he's their child in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and i think that that's sad because because that's not who he is at the start no and it's not a better version he's a big brother at the start yeah you see his sisters a lot more in him acting as like this like macho like italian like yeah he's a big brother he takes care of his friends in the same way Mm he i mean he has acting jobs here and there and he helps out but at the end of it, I feel like he's kind of 
I don't know. Everyone seems to be abandoning Joey. <laughs> That's yeah. what friends turns into is like everyone else leaving. And I everyone think they, abandoned like the nicest friend. Yeah, I think that they even tried to do some kind of spinoff with like Joey's world or something. Yeah. And it quickly, quickly died out. Because I don't the, even know that they made a full season. Yeah, I don't know. We can do research on that. But yeah. Um, but I would say, sorry, I'm looking up Joey Friends spinoff. To see, like, if it exists, like, if it actually made it into existence. I kind of think it was called Joey's World. Uh, it's just called Joey. Just Joey. It had two seasons. I've never once watched it. I don't even know what streaming platform you uh, could watch it on. I I don't either. I have, like, no interest in watching it. It doesn't, nothing pops up for it as, like, a thing it's available on. <laughs> it's got a 50% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Because Matt... Matt LeBlanc, I think, is his name. He's actually, like, a really good actor. I like him a lot. Uh, Matt LeBlanc. It is. Wow, I got another another one right. <laughs> um, yeah. I I think Joey deserved better. And not just, like, a sucky spinoff. I think he, like, deserved, like, a good... Like, a good ending in the show, too. But I think that final scene would have to take place in the coffee shop. Yeah, I think that that would be a really wonderful way to kind of close out the series of maybe things are changing and maybe it's a good time to kind of say goodbye. But, you know, like everything's still going to be the same in this, yeah. in the way that we can all still come together. And this is a, this is a home. The yeah. coffee shop, those couches that are always magically available when I'm busy in New York City. Except for occasionally. Yeah. When, when it's like a major plot point. Yeah, when the bullies get Joey Yeah. And, yeah, I think that, that that would be a really great ending. Yeah, to show that people can grow up and grow apart, like, spatially and, like, geographically and even, like, life situationally, but that, like, you, you value your friends, your community, and you can still come back to that. Mm-hmm. Like, you still, like, you meet up. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think that would be a really beautiful way to end it. So I'll work on rewriting the end, and so... At the end of this, there'll be a recording of the last, like, scene uh, as we've imagined it. Wow. Yeah. Won't that be pretty cool? Pretty, pretty rad tad. Pretty rad tad. Uh, well, I want to say thank you for joining me for this this great adventure and, and uh, discussion of this show we love so much and discuss so much in our free time anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is like a, a rewrite of our mini conversations already. Yeah, just kind of like a series. condensed version of like a lot of things we've talked about before for, yeah. for nothing, yeah. for nobody but ourselves. So this is a lot of fun. Um, I have, I've had a lot of fun sitting around my sideways turn desk uh, talking with you about this. Uh, oh, and I have a couple of announcements. So one... I am getting the first set of To the Better End stickers mm. this coming week. Uh, come come heck or or coronavirus. And this is just like a, a tiny batch that I've mostly promised to like close, close friends. And people who are on the podcast. And people who are on the podcast. Well, you're <laughs> both of those things. Well, I, I want to like double listed yourself. I wanted to be included in both. Okay. So... Yes. Uh, most of those are promised. The, those uh, close friends and, and co-hosts 
are going to be the guinea pigs to test out like the strength and integrity and like beauty of these stickers before I order a whole bunch more. And then anybody who would be interested in one, I'll find some way to like make those available for like some price that'll at least like help me break even on them. Sure. Uh, I think they're going to be really cool. The mock-ups for them look really neat and I'm excited to share them. I'm also excited about like trying out this new episode schedule so that we have more episodes more often. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So thank you again for joining us and listening to us uh, ramble on until we got to a better end. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye.